we are going to talk about living in victory in our finances. So we're going to go there today, and uh, I believe you're going to be blessed. Let's look at our first scripture, and then I want to read a bit of a story. So John 10, verse 10, says, The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Or maybe you know a version that says an abundant life. To give them life and life more abundantly. So a rich and satisfying life. Now, when I read this verse, it's very clear to me that we have an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So he does not want us to have abundant life. You see, there's the two opposing sides. Jesus makes it possible, but when I see this, I realize if there's an enemy, there's automatically a battle. In church, where there's a battle means there's a fight, but I have good news, we can have the victory. You and I can have victory in our finances and live in that victory every day because of Christ and because of what he shows us. All right, and we're talking about a winner in your finances. And maybe today you're like, I don't feel like a winner in my finance. You haven't seen my visa bill, my MasterCard. Oh. But God wants us to go forward. So we're declaring it today that we have victory in our finances, and we're going to grow in it, and we're going to see God do great things. So I want to read a story, and I believe it's a story of victory in the area of finance. But I'm going to tell you a story of a young man in his 20s he was recently married, and he moved from another province to a brand new province in a small town. He had a positive outlook, and he believed anything was possible. He had no desire to be rich, but starting a family, paying the bills, and enjoying life were near the top of his want list. The first home in this small town was a small rented apartment, and moving in was pretty easy. They had no furniture only a few clothes, and just one cooking pot. And you can fry eggs, make soup, and boil craft dinner in the same pot, but not at the same time, of course. You see, their bed was a large piece of flooring underlay. And it was a big deal to them when they finally purchased their first piece of furniture. And believe it or not, it was not a bed. It was a table and chairs, a used set, for $75. When they moved to this new town, salvation really wasn't something they were thinking about or expecting would happen. But they now believe that it was the greatest thing ever. You see, this young man and his wife accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior and got baptized together. The baptism was very memorable. He realized shortly before the baptism that he was supposed to say something in front of all those people. And he really had no clue what to say. This young man was smart and a quick learner, so he asked his wife what she was going to say when it was her turn. He got baptized first and said everything his wife was going to say. <laughs> his new faith was exciting, and he was just starting to learn about giving. At church, they would pass around the plate, and Christians were supposed to put something in. He didn't want to look bad, so he faithfully put a dollar in the plate every week. The second-hand 10-speed bike that he purchased would get him to work for more than a year. He was thankful for his job at the bank, but the pay was really bad. His positive outlook, hard work, and winning smile 
and weren't getting him a raise, and he realized he'd have to find work somewhere else. Church, I don't know where you're at right now with your finances. Maybe someone here is relating a little bit and thinking, boy, that's exactly where I am. I've got good news. God wants to take you from where you're at to somewhere further. Maybe you're in a place where you're already wealthy. Do you know God wants to take you another level? I have found out God always wants to take us forward and upward until the day he takes us home. He never asks us to settle and be like, eh, that's great. He's always challenging our faith. He's always giving us a challenge, something to move forward into. So God wants to give you victory in your finances. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18 says this, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant, which He swore to your fathers as it is this day. All right, so where does power to get wealth come from? If you're a believer, where does it come from? It comes from God, ultimately. And God gives power to get wealth so that he can establish his covenant. In other words, if he's blessing you with wealth and you're a believer, it's to be used for kingdom purposes, not only on yourself. Okay, how about 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9? It says, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich... Yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Now this is an interesting verse, and we understand that what Jesus came to do, the price he paid was for forgiveness, for healing, you know, for peace of mind, so many things, but also it was for financial blessing. And this verse, its context Paul is writing to the Corinthians by God, speaking through him as all the scripture was written, through people as God spoke. And he is telling them about their giving. So he's talking about material wealth in this portion. Okay, so there's no way around that. He's telling them, hey, one of the things Christ died for was so that you could have wealth. And then he explains further what it's for. All right, so he's actually telling them because a year prior they had promised they were going to give to the need in another location. And he's telling them, you guys, let's do what you said you were going to do. And he talks to them a lot about giving. So, the word rich is not a bad word. The word wealth is not a bad word. Now, maybe I should apologize on behalf of church leaders who have made it a bad word. You know, there was times where TV ministers or different ones took advantage of people or used it in the wrong way. But wealth, the word rich, finance, those are not bad words. Okay? This is important for you. Now, how do we have victory in our finances? So we get it. The power to get wealth comes from God. We understand that even part of what Jesus did was so that we could be blessed. Well, then how do we have victory in our finances? I'm going to give you a few points. This is not everything there is to know about finance. That would be impossible in half an hour. But number one, we must be diligent and work hard to have victory in our finances. Look at Proverbs 13 and verse 4. It says, lazy people want much but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. All right, 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 10. Even while we were with you, we gave you this command. 
Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work to earn their own living. I remember another story of a pastor many years ago, and he was talking about when he was young. And he got this idea that he wanted to go into ministry so he wouldn't have to work. And he thought he'd you know, be in an office and not do anything. Boy, did he not know anything. But anyhow, he was, he was young, and he was reading his Bible so he could really know about the Bible, and he was reading through from the start. And all of a sudden, he got to the book of Job. He was like, he skipped right over it to Psalms because, oh my goodness, he didn't want a job. <laughs> okay, it's the book of Job, but it's spelled the same. Church, no matter what it is that you're getting into, you're going to need to work hard if you want to prosper. Ephesians 4.28, if you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Colossians 3.23, there's a lot of scripture about working hard. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not unto human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Okay, so how do you work hard and have a good attitude? Just remember, every job you're doing, you're actually doing it for the Lord because he's your number one boss. And when that's in your heart, it's easy to work well. Even if you've got a, a, a manager with a bad attitude or you know, somebody who doesn't like you, it doesn't matter because you're like, I'm doing this for the Lord. And then it makes it really easy to do your best. And one more scripture about working hard. Proverbs 10 and verse 4. It says, laziness brings poverty. Hard work makes one rich. A wise son harvests in the summer. A disgraceful son sleeps right through the harvest. So, that's my number one point. If you want to prosper, you want to see God bring wealth, you will need to work hard. And remember, work is not a bad thing. You see, work was not the curse put on mankind. Work by the sweat of the brow without really anything to show for it was the curse. But remember... Adam and Eve were put in the garden to work it before there was ever sin. So keeping busy and active is good. Now, maybe you're here and you're retired, but yet you still have things that you work at and you do your best because it's in us to do it and it's healthy. All right? So I want to leave that with you. That was point number one. The second thing that I want to say about how do we prosper it's 2 Chronicles 1, verse 11, but it's this. We must get wisdom to have victory in our finances. Okay? You could, if you don't get wisdom and you just work hard, you'll just work hard till you're really old and you'll wonder, how come I never have money? So wisdom must come with it. Okay? You've got to get wisdom. 2 Chronicles 1 and verse 11. God said to Solomon, because your greatest desire is to help your people... And you did not ask for wealth, riches, fame, or even the death of your enemies, or a long life, but rather you asked for wisdom and knowledge to properly govern my people. I will certainly give you the wisdom and knowledge you requested, but I will also give you wealth, riches, and fame, such as no other king has had before you or will ever have in the future. Second Chronicles 9, 
and verse 11. So King Solomon, or sorry, verse 22. So King Solomon became richer and wiser than any other king on earth, just like God said. Now, I want you to see something here. The wisdom he asked for was also going to be the vehicle by which the wealth came. Because wisdom and wealth go hand in hand every single time. Now, in that chapter 9 of 2 Chronicles, they actually list a few things about Solomon's wealth. And they tell us that every year, from the other countries around them who he'd made treaties with and peace deals and contracts, if you will, it said that every year he received 25 tons of gold. That's a lot of gold. I tried to figure it out. My calculations might be off, but I tried to figure it out, and nowadays what gold's worth, it would have been $1.8 billion just because. Okay? It also says that he owned 12,000 horses. Anybody who's ever owned one horse knows you have to be rich to own a horse. They eat a lot of hay. Okay, 12,000. And it also says that he made silver like stones in their country. In other words, there was so much prosperity, if you saw a chunk of silver laying on the ground, you didn't care. It was like gravel. Wealth was abundant. And also it said that he made cedar trees to be like willow bushes. I used willow bushes. They use sycamore tree, but you understand willows. You go out anywhere and there's willows everywhere. They're worth nothing. There's no sawmill that wants them. But cedar trees were also expensive. Now you need to work in a lumber mill or own one to understand that there is money in trees. So wealth was overflowing. It came because of God's favor, but it also came because of wisdom. Without wisdom, there's never wealth. Proverbs 16 and verse 16 says this, How much better to get wisdom than gold? And to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. See, here's the point. A handout will change your financial situation for just a short time. But wisdom and understanding will change your financial situation for the rest of your life. I remember when I finally learned that it's a good idea to have a savings account. And that way when something breaks down, you don't use your visa again. And again, and again, and again, and again. Savings, I didn't have the wisdom when I was young to know that. See, a simple thing like that changed my life now for when things break down. You know, when you have a savings account ahead for it, it's a lot less stressful. And you know what? Things will break down. It's the world we live in. So wisdom will change your life. I want to read part two of the story that we're reading today. The testimony of the young man. He had just realized he needed a new job. It said he quickly found a better paying job at a liquor store. He was a new believer and didn't see a problem with that. The pay was great, but he was a little surprised when he saw Christians coming in to buy alcohol. And he couldn't help but chuckle when someone recognized him from church and suddenly stopped and said, how did I get in here? I guess I accidentally came to the wrong building. (laughs) Which was quite an accident because there were really no other buildings around the liquor store in those days. (laughs) The old car that he had now purchased was breaking down regularly 
and costing a lot of money. One particular morning, it wouldn't run, and gas was spewing out of the carburetor. He had to walk, and while walking, he saw a sign in the window of an accountant shop that said they were hiring. He stopped in for a visit because he'd always had a desire to be an accountant. And when he was offered the same wage as the liquor store, he said yes. He began to learn much about finances from his new boss and added it to what he already knew. See, he understood saving for a rainy day because rainy days always come. He understood working hard, never living outside of what you make, eating out only on special occasions, investing wisely, and never wasting your money on buying a bunch of new stuff. He was also growing in his faith and had learned that God loves a cheerful giver. He embraced this and knew he would give as God led him for the rest of his life. Giving to his church and giving to those in need was something he truly enjoyed. He didn't give anymore just to look good. And the dollar a week had long passed. As always, he was thankful for his wife and growing family. He enjoyed seeing people come to Christ and was not ashamed to talk about Christ. He just wanted to do what God had asked him. You see, he didn't live for wealth. He lived for God. And he and his wife would pray about every large financial decision they had to make. They would only move ahead if they both felt a peace from the Lord about their decision. This faith and financial foundation that he and his wife had in their lives now would set them up for blessing and prosperity like they never could have imagined. You see, church, wherever you are now, if you are willing to gain wisdom and work hard, if you're willing to get a foundation, God can take you further than you could ever imagine. But you must be willing to learn from others. Now, the next point that I want to make here today, what do you need to see blessing in your finances, is this. So we said work hard, gain wisdom. The third point is we must resist greed and covetousness to have victory in our finances. You can read any financial book that you like, Christian or non, it doesn't matter, and they will tell you that most people's problem is not what they make, it's what they spend. And often people will get a raise or get a higher paying job and they just spend more. And they spend beyond what they make, so they're always in debt and then they pay interest on their debt and you get the picture. But greed and covetousness cause us to want more, to buy more, to need newer, to be like the neighbors, and it will defeat and destroy your finances so that you never invest, so that you never cause your finance to make more finance. Okay? But let's look at what Scripture says about greed. Proverbs 21 and verse 5 says, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. There are no shortcuts to seeing wealth come in, okay? And many people have found that out the hard way by buying into some online get-rich-quick scheme, and their money disappears. 1 Timothy 6, verse 5. Now, here's a warning about loving money. Let's read the entire portion. It says, Useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means for gain. From such, withdraw yourself. So living for God and thinking that the more money you have, the more righteous you are. Definitely not true. 
The amount of wealth you have has nothing to do with your relationship with Christ or how godly you are. Okay, not, not the case. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. <clears throat> in other words, he's saying, don't be piling up stuff. The wealth that comes in isn't just to get more stuff because it's pointless. Stuff wears out and you move on and it's not yours. But those who desire to be rich, in other words, they have an overpowering desire, all they think about is being rich, fall into foolish, fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So it doesn't say money is a root of evil, it says the love of money. And church, if you want God to bless you financially, you will need to know, make sure that you do not love money because it's very easy to make money your God instead of God. Jesus actually said that. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. In other words, God must be your number one source, and money is only a tool to do what he's called you to do. If you can see money as a tool, it'll never become a God. All right, so the love of money is root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Proverbs 23, verse 4 do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. You ever seen a, the bag of gold and has little wings and it's flying away? <laughs> People are like, yeah, I see that. <laughs> okay, so don't live for wealth. This is not what the message is about. The message is about, hey, God wants to bless you for a purpose, but you don't Put your eyes and your purpose and your goal on wealth or you'll be defeated. Put your eyes and your purpose on Jesus. And actually, Jesus had this to say about it in Matthew chapter 6, 33. He said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So first, your focus is on him. The other will come. And finally, Proverbs 28, 22. Greedy people try to get rich quick, but don't realize they're headed for poverty. Okay, I'm just going to make that point again. Greed is a bad idea, all right? Greed says, I got to have the newest, I got to have the best. And without realizing it, you become a slave to needing more money to pay for all the stuff. And it's an ugly feeling. So, have self-control. Be willing to say no to the brand new thing. Do you really need that new car? Do you really need that new thing? Do you really need a whole new wardrobe You know, every six months? I don't think anybody here does that, but you get my point. There is so many things you can spend wealth on, and when you do that, you set yourself up to be a slave. Nobody wants to be a slave. All right. The other thing about it that you can hear from it, it takes time. We got it. And my final point, but there is a bit to say, my final point is this. So we said so far, you need to work hard. You need to gain wisdom. Don't get greedy or selfish as God begins to bless because it'll kill you. The fourth thing, we must give as God directs to have victory in our finance. Giving is something that every wealthy person does. 
And now some people argue, well, that's because they have the wealth. But when looking at stories of wealthy people, Christian or non-Christian, they were givers before they gained wealth. It is just part of the package. And I believe that sometimes God even blesses non-Christian wealthy people because they're giving into works that he feels are right and good. Works that help humanity, works that help the poor, or works that help uh, kids. I honestly believe that. Some of those people don't even realize it, but they were givers. But let's look what God says to us as believers here this morning about giving. Malachi 3.10 to 11. Actually, I think I'll start at verse 8. It says, Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour you out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. So God clearly has told his people, I need you to give a portion of what you bring in to me, a portion of your increase. And he set a 10% as a baseline. We know in the New Testament, Jesus said you should tithe, but that shouldn't be the only thing you care about. There's a lot of other important things. He said that to the religious people. So we know tithing carried on, but of course, giving is something that we should be asking the Lord about and letting him direct if we're following him. But he says in this portion of scripture, if you do it, trust me, I'm going to pour you out a blessing. Now, another scripture in the Old Testament, Haggai chapter 1 and verse 5, it's not one I don't think I typically read to you guys, but let's look at this portion of scripture. He's talking again to his people, so this is to believers, all right? He says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Who's ever had that wallet with holes in it? It's like, what is going on? It's like, the more I make, it's gone. I remember one time God showing me a bucket. And, you know, once a month you pour in a big amount, but there's two little holes. It empties out fast. And debt with big interest is definitely a hole in the bucket. You want to get out of that. Okay, so in uh, continuing on where we were, verse 7, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. The Lord wants to take pleasure in his house and be honored in it. Did you know our church should be honoring to him? And if we leave it in a mess or, you know, it's broken down, no. Is that honoring? No, of course not. And I'm going to say that, you know, our church is definitely not in ruins. And God's blessing and we continue. But here he's telling them, hey, you need to do this. And in their situation, they were rebuilding the temple and they just all quit and nobody was bringing any finance or timber or anything to do the work. And it was just sitting idle. 
So really important, God says, is that we're giving into uh, the church that we're a part of. Now, in those days, there was only one temple. But then later, there were uh, other places, and the giving continued where they worshipped. So your tithe is for where you go to church. Okay. Uh, let me finish where we are going here, because there's a very important verse that I want to share with you. Verse 9, you expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Okay, this is for believers. They ignored his house, and so he said, I blew away what you brought in. Now, that's not a verse you hear preached on too much. I get it. Why not? Because you're like, oh, that was depressing. Anyhow, he's saying, hey, be faithful what I've asked you to do, and I'm going to bless it. Now, because of my house, he says, why? Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. We are going to be busy with our stuff, but we can never forget God's stuff. And I believe that's why he asks us to give that 10% first. And I know in my life, he has asked me to do that, and it has helped me keep the proper balance. Because you know what? Every time I get a paycheck, I say, okay, 10% of this goes to him. You know what I'm doing? I'm saying, he's God, not this money. Every time I do that 10%, he's God, not this money. Do you understand that? And it's, it's powerful. I remember when God put on my heart, you need to tithe to your church. And my wife and I were newly married and going to a little church. And I was in carpentry work and I made $1,600 a month. So I figured that out. Okay, that's $160. I was talking to my wife, $160? How cheap is that? I'm going to give God only $160? I'm going to up it to $200. I'm telling you, that was big time for me. And I remember thinking, no, we're doing it. We'd take 200 of that 16 and give it to the Lord. And in a number of weeks, I got a raise and some more time, and it ended up I was getting right around that 2000 a month instead because God's faithful. And I continued that even though we were low income. We had just, uh, my wife was at home and I was working. We didn't have two jobs, and, but I said, no, it's God first. And God was always faithful to us. And I remember a time where I said, God, I've been faithful and, you know, it seems like this hard work is not really doing, is there something that I can do to bring in more money? Because I understood that I play a part in it. And I was out mowing my grass and I felt like the Holy Spirit just dropped in my spirit by the place next door. I'm like, there's no for sale sign on the place next door. And I said, it's an old trailer and I live in an old trailer. I spend all my time fixing. I don't want to buy another old trailer. And I'm like, that obviously wasn't God. And I kept mowing the lawn. I didn't tell my wife. Because I didn't want her to tell me it could be God. You know, I didn't say anything. Two days later, I come home from work. My wife says, oh, the, the real estate agent was here today. He was uh, going through our house to, you know, to get a value for the finance company. I looked at her, What? Yeah, he was saying something about the finance company is going to sell it or something. Right away, it's like, oh, he's in the wrong trailer. And God did this on purpose because I ignored what he said. <laughs> and he, of course, left a card. I said, let me call him up. I'll tell him. I'll let him know he's in the wrong trailer. I called him up. Hey, I heard you were here. I just want you to know you're in the wrong trailer. You're supposed to be next door. 
And he said, I know it's hard to take when the finance company is taking your place back. I said, no, you're in the wrong trailer. <laughs> now, he had said the name of the finance company, which was not mine, so I also knew that it was the wrong trailer because of that. And I knew we were paying our bills properly. And I told him, I said, so when you get that for sale sign up, I'm going to be coming because I'm going to buy that place. Because I knew now God had spoken. Now, the interesting thing, because I didn't have a lot of wisdom in finance, I had no money saved, so I had no down payment, nothing. But I'm going to make this story short and tell you, God made a way. We purchased that place, rented it out for six months, sold it, and received about $30,000 more in six months. That was way better than $2,000 a month. Anyhow, God can do anything if you listen. And I always put an attachment on that story. This is not the pastor telling you to go buy old trailers and try to make money. You will go broke. Anyhow, <laughs> when God speaks, go ahead. But that was not me telling you to buy old trailers. Okay, let's continue on. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6. This I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. See, God wants you to have abundance so that you can go beyond just giving your tithe to your church, but you can give everywhere. Isn't that amazing? Think about the things you've felt in your heart. Oh, I love what they're doing. Well, I can't barely do my tithe. But he wants to bless you that you can give tithe and give beyond to wherever he's speaking. Now that's being filled with wealth for his kingdom purposes. I'm going to finish the story that we started as we wrap up. As I talked with this now semi-retired wealthy gentleman on the phone... You see, he's no longer a young man. He talked about the many things that had transpired since those early days, and he was thankful for them all. He remembered the time he had prayed and asked the Lord to provide $10,000 needed for a large mission trip. Later in the week, during business, he received a phone call from someone trying to sell stocks in a new market. The man on the phone said, if you were interested, how much would you invest? He answered, I'd probably invest 10000 but I'll need to talk to my wife first about it. His wife said, absolutely not. She believed this was gambling and was out of the question. He was shocked when a short while later he received a bill in the mail for stocks worth $10,000. He called the man up and said, I never bought this. We were just talking and I said, if I was, but I, you know, I needed to talk. The man on the phone said, don't complain. The stocks are now worth $20,000. He told the man, perfect. You keep the stocks and your $10,000 and send me the $10,000 profit. And the man did. So God provided him $10,000 for a mission trip from stocks he never actually bought. You see, because God can do anything. Then there was the piece of land that God directed them to buy and six months after purchasing their land, they received a call from Walmart who was looking to build in that location. 
There was the accounting business that he worked for and eventually bought from his old boss. It had four employees, the boss and three workers, and God helped him grow that business to 23 employees. It was one of the biggest accounting firms in all of Alberta, and he received, he recalled at one time he was running up to 13 businesses. He remembered winning Business of the Year Award and even one time winning the Lifetime Volunteer Award. He was blessed to start a Christian school, and his giving to God's work now exceeds his yearly living expenses as he and his wife give wherever God directs them. He has never bought a lottery ticket and still rarely eats out, only on special occasions. I don't know if you heard that saying, it's like flushing your money down the toilet. But anyhow, (laughs) he'd rather invest it than flush it down the toilet. He still loves his wife, loves giving as God directs, and loves passing on financial wisdom to his kids, grandkids, and anyone else who asks. You see, he started out with nothing, but he was a hard worker. He gained wisdom. He gave as God directed him, and he never became greedy. Church, if you gain that foundation, I guarantee God will bless you, and you will have to give to every good work. Living in victory in our finances as believers begins with Jesus and what he did. As the very first verse I read said, he came that you could have life more abundantly or richly. And God wants to do that for each of us. I'm going to take a minute to pray today before Pastor Bruce comes to do the announcements. I don't want to pray over you right where you're seated. I want to pray for God's blessing. I want to pray for this foundation to be strong in you. And of course, we're going to pray against greed, against laziness. And I know God is going to begin doing something great from this day forward for each of you. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you right now for each one here. All of us at different levels in our finance. But Lord, each of us this morning says, yes, we will begin from where we're at to follow your plan. Lord, we will work hard. Lord, we will gain wisdom. Lord, we will not be greedy, and Lord, we will give as you direct. Lord, I declare financial blessing over this congregation now in Jesus' name. I rebuke greediness, covetousness. I cancel it in Jesus' name. I command that thief that tries to steal and kill to be bound in our lives. I say, let us give cheerfully as you direct. And let the blessing flow. We say it now in Jesus' name. Amen.